When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. If you've ever had Lyme disease, if you have ever known anyone with Lyme disease, you know what a tricky disease this is. It's very rare in terms of being a disease that attacks this many different parts of your nervous system. It can oftentimes remain a mystery to doctors who try to diagnose this. And there's been speculation in recent years that maybe, just maybe, this Lyme disease developed as the result of some sort of biological weapon. Someone that has been pushing that um, effort to find whether that's true or not has been Congressman Chris Smith, who has repeatedly, and sometimes it's even been passed by the House, pushed for funding to explore this question. Here's Congressman Chris Smith on the floor of the House exploring or talking about why we need to explore whether or not Lyme disease is the result of something man-made. Mr. Speaker, last year I was joined by my friend and colleague Colin Peterson of Minnesota to offer an amendment to the national to NDAA to task the Pentagon IG to probe whether ticks were ever weaponized with Lyme disease or any other dangerous pathogen. Our legislation passed the House but died in the Senate. Was told that the IG did not have sufficient capacity or bandwidth uh, to investigate. So tonight, the new Smith-Peterson amendment instead tasks the GAO with that job. For years, Mr. Speaker, books and articles have been written credibly asserting that significant research at Fort Detrick in Plum Island and elsewhere was conducted to turn ticks into bioweapons. In her book, Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons, Chris Newby includes interviews with Dr. Willie Berkdorfer, the researcher who is credited with discovering Lyme disease. Turns out that Dr. Bergdorfer was a bioweapons specialist. The interviews, combined with access to Dr. Berkdorfer's files, reveals that he and other bioweapon specialists stuffed ticks with pathogens in a quest to cause disability disease and death. Mr. Speaker, with Lyme disease and other tick-borne diseases exploding in the United States, an estimated 300,000 to 427,000 cases, new cases each year, and 10 to 20 percent of those people with chronic Lyme, Americans have a right to know whether or not any of this is true. There's a lot of questions that we ask in the amendment, but the most important question of all, can any of the information that might be gleaned from the GAO study help current-day researchers find a way to mitigate and hopefully cure Lyme disease and other tick-borne diseases? I found Congressman Smith's uh, presentation there very compelling for exactly the reasons he stated. It's not everybody that gets their work read into the congressional record and praised on the floor of the House of Representatives and actually succeeds as being the person that's responsible for getting the House, if not the Senate, to pass a major piece of legislation. It's not everybody, but it is the 
the person who's kind enough to join me this morning. Very happy to welcome Chris Newby, an award-winning science writer at Stanford University, senior producer of the Lyme disease documentary Under Our Skin, and the author of the book Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons. Chris, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thanks for the invite, Frank. I appreciate it. That was a great clip, and it sort of changed my life. Oh, when I, it I, happened. I can imagine. When did your interest in studying this subject, either Lyme disease or biological weapons, I'm not sure which came first, when did your interest in either or both of those subjects develop? 2002, 20 years ago, it's how time flies. Uh, it was when my husband and I and our two middle school boys went on a beach vacation to Martha's uh, Vineyard in uh, Massachusetts. And then we went back to California. And a, a week later, my husband and I were sicker than we'd ever been before. And that was uh, the beginning of my interest in my favorite disease, Lyme disease and tick diseases. Uh, but we got super sick. And it took a year, uh, 10 doctors and $60,000 to get diagnosed. And at the end of it, I said, what, what is going on here? I mean, once you dig into it on the internet, not necessarily on the CDC website, you realize the disease is different, um, is serious and different. So uh, from there, I went and did a documentary under our skin about Lyme disease. And the deeper I got into it, the more suspicious it is. And then um, the, the next step was writing Bitten uh, when I got some key information that indicated um, the, this crazy tick-borne diseases that showed up in the late 60s uh, may have had a, a bioweapons origin. Wow. Uh, before we get into your research and your conclusions, what do we know about the official history of Lyme disease? When did Lyme disease first appear, and what's sort of the official history? So Willie Bergdorfer, who was a Swiss scientist who came over to to um, Public Health Service, or NIH now, uh, in 1951, uh, he was the discoverer. And in 80, well, 1968 was when people really, they started noticing people were getting sick. And the official story is that all of the disease, which really sort of blossomed in the 70s and has never stopped, um, was caused by a little bacterium called, it's a corkscrew-shaped bacterium called Lyme disease, or officially Borrelia burgdorferi, named after the scientists who discovered it. And they said that was it, That was, and it was easy to cure with two weeks of doxycycline or amoxicillin antibiotics, and that was the official story. But the controversy has grown ever since then because it seems to be a very virulent disease uh, and a chronic form exists, but the government has denied it. Um, so that was that's the official story. And then as I got deeper, that changed. When was the first time that there was someone putting out the theory that this was the result of a biological weapon? Well, um, Michael Carroll, who was uh, from New York City, wrote a book called Lab 257. And he was the first one that said, well... Uh, Plum Island was the U.S. Um, biological Weapons Research Center for um, anti-animal, um, for killing animals for bioweapons reasons. And so he published a book, uh, and it was pretty good, but it, it really didn't nail it. 
as far as the evidence. And then my book came out maybe about 10 years later, and it went a little further. Because it, it really, I had a lot of eyewitnesses, including Willie, who discovered Lyme disease, that said, oh, sorry, I didn't tell 100% truth about the discovery. There were other organisms when I was researching uh, the the Lyme outbreak. And one of them, I think, is a, bio, a biological weapon. And wow. then he said, uh, oh, by the way, I was with the bioweapons program for over a decade. I helped turn fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes into weapons of war. Wow. <laughs> and it was fairly shocking. Oh, yeah, I, I would say. So beyond that admission, which obviously I think is pretty significant, what um, what is the evidence that suggests that Lyme disease m- would have been born from an experimentation with biological weapons? Well, I never got the hard proof that the actual organism was a bioweapon. It's sort of a fussy germ to grow in mass quantities, and um, it's hard to culture outside of a living thing. But there were other tick-borne diseases that were weaponized, and, and the main one was um, a, a rickettsial bacterium very close to Rocky Mountain spotted fever, which um, is the most deadly tick-borne disease in the U.S. And the advantage to weaponizing that is that you could mass produce it in vast quantities in stainless steel tanks in the same way you might ferment beer. And then they would take the organisms and freeze dry them and turn them into particles. And um, that was one of several germs that they would, uh, they were planning to spray in large quantities over um, cities of our enemies in a, as a way to weaken the enemy so that we could go in with ground troops later on. Um, they also tried, this is the day the government tried, uh, had a go-to flea that they weaponized. They, they tried to stuff it with diseases and it was a very aggressive kind of tick that wasn't native to, for example, the Long Island and New York area. And that's called Lone Star Tick. And they had open air experiments where they released hundreds of thousands of them on um, the Atlantic Bird Flyway in coastal Virginia. And soon after they st- stopped or started those experiments, the Long Island ticks became established. I mean, the ticks, Lone Star ticks became established on Long Island and that's in the 70s. Uh, the way it came about was in the 70s. There was an outbreak of Rocky Mountain spotted fever because these lone star ticks carry that, unlike the deer ticks, the black-legged ticks. So is Rocky Mountain spotted fever that comes from these uh, lone star ticks, do you think there's a possibility that was also the result of some sort of uh, biological weaponization? Um, I don't have 100% proof, that, but that's the timing of these um, tick releases and uh, seem to make that evident. I mean, no scientist has come out and published that, but I have a lot of documentation that recommended spot of viewers weaponize the releases of the Lone Star ticks. And they made them radioactive so they could trace how far they creeped and crawled over the months and, and the years. And then uh, another really shocking thing was I talked to a witness who dropped infected ticks on the Cubans during the Cold War, 1962, uh, as a way to harm Fidel Castro's sugar crop because they dropped them on sugarcane workers. Mm. And Cuba's pretty close to the U.S., so 
I'm sure some of them made their way here. So your your belief is that this was a result of governmental experimentation to try to weaponize these ticks, which led to Lyme disease and potentially some of these other tick-borne illnesses. Yeah, and, you know, we have this very bad epidemic of tick-borne diseases now. With a half, It's now a half a million cases per year. That's about 1,300 a day by average. The CDC just published last week stats that said tick-borne diseases went up 70% over the last two years before 2002. So it's a bad epidemic. Um, And at at the time, during the Cold War, the military was stuffing fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes with deadly diseases for bioweapons. And in the tick program, which pretty much ran for most of the 1950s, there were a lot of open-air experiments. And my premise um, based on witness testimony from the guy who discovered the disease and his doc, his lab notes, his documents, archives, are that some of this tick-borne disease epidemic was caused by the the experiments, some irresponsible leaks, and uh, now we're suffering the consequences Absolutely. because. Yeah, it's hard to control living organisms. No, no doubt about it. The the and if people just shame, we're talking with uh, Chris Newby. She is an award-winning science writer at Stanford, producer of the Lyme disease documentary Under Our Skin, and author of the book Bitten: The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons. I would think if our government's experimentation with trying to weaponize ticks resulted in so many Americans getting seriously ill over the years, that this would be a big priority for exactly the reasons that Chris Smith stated in that uh, in that clip. Why has the Senate not joined the House in passing this legislation? What's the possible rationale in not wanting to find out the truth about this? Well, I, I think it's like any military uh, program that went wrong. For example, the Nevada nuclear test. Well, there's been a lot of damage to our own citizens from the nuclear fallout from those thousands of tests uh, from the people in New Mexico and Utah and Nevada. Um, it's just embarrassing. Also, I think there are there were probably some uh, there are probably more overseas um, bug borne weapons that were released and they don't want that out because that would be pretty much a crime against humanity. <laughs> but it's, it's been up before the Cong- Congress this expose or the um, declassification of these experiments three times and it's been killed all three times despite Christmas best effort. Are, are you hoping that if we are able to find out conclusively that this was the result of uh, biological weaponization experiments, that this results in better treatment for people like you and your husband who contract Lyme disease? Um, Yes, because whenever you develop, whenever the military developed biological weapons, they would also develop antidotes for our own soldiers. So it would be interesting to see like what germs were released in what areas. For example, there's another hot spot for Lyme disease and related tick-borne diseases um, are in, in and around Wisconsin and the Great Lakes. Like, what was released where? And then what um, 
cures and vaccines were developed for those germs back in the 50s and 60s. Hmm. So transparency will help um, save research dollars and save lives. What do we know about America's history with biological weapons? Well, the bioweapon program during the Cold War for the U.S. ran from the 50s through the 60s in 1968. Nixon canceled the program, took a couple years to ramp it down. It, uh, but um, with some of those organisms, they're probably in the labs in Fort Detrick still. So they, the programs could be ramped out, but ramped up. But officially, the bioweapons program for the U.S. is frozen. Uh, other countries uh, have ignored treaties, and like for example, Russia, and still develop those bioweapons. What else are people going to learn in Bitten: The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons? I think it's a it's a pretty interesting story of. Uh, Creepy doctors, strange love, biological weapons uh, <laughs> experiments. And it centers around Willie Bergdorfer, who came over and joined the program and shows the escalation of the program and, you know, just the wacky experiments. For example, they would do experiments in the Utah desert where they dropped hundreds of thousands of fleas uh, as an experiment of the bioweapons and the fleas were not infected with plague, but that was the plan put plague plague in fleas and drop them on the enemy. And, uh, they dropped, uh, infected mis- or not uninfected mosquitoes to see how far they would spread in poor, uh, rural areas of Georgia. And then they would have like military people pretend like they're public health and ask people, Oh, did you have a lot of, um, bites from mosquitoes and these are the mosquitoes that they're Egypti mosquitoes originally from Egypt and they spread Zika and dengue and a lot of tropical and malaria, a lot of tropical diseases. So uh, just so many shocking experiments and creepy, interesting, I would say stranger things. The, the scientific consensus, as I understand it, supports a natural origin of Lyme disease what do you when you present this evidence, including these interviews that you've done with people who were there at the time that this might have been developed? What are the critics of the bioweapon theory say to you and how do they greet your research? Um, it, it does. On the surface, it sounds ridiculous, but it's true that these experiments happen. And on my website, there are a lot of documents that, that you can read that show that. But. The, you know, one argument is that, well, uh, there was an Iceman discovered in the Alps in Europe and he had Lyme disease. Well, that's that's not true at all. That's just spin because they sequenced part of a bacterium, only 60% of it, and it wasn't Lyme disease. It could be from that family of bacteria, but that's not true. Uh, and, yeah, there's just a lot of people who are in the medicinal. Uh, the military industrial uh, payroll who say it wasn't weaponized. The other thing is since the book came out, a lot of scientists are sequencing the actual DNA of Borrelia burgdorferi, the Lyme bacterium, and they're finding it's a pretty unusual genome. People, the scientists say, well, it's a mysterious rapid evolution. Uh, There are a lot of, uh, 
bits of viruses in that. And, and that's really the way they weaponized germs back in the 50s and 60s. You would mix a bacteria with a virus inside a tick and see if you could brew a more virulent germ. And it would seem like the easy way to prove that you're wrong is to just declassify all the relevant information about this and let people draw their own conclusions. And one wonders why that uh, that hasn't happened. I, I could uh, detect more than a, a note of cynicism when you were discussing the information that the CDC puts out there regarding Lyme disease. Obviously, assuming your theory has not been officially adopted, I don't think they could put that out there. But what is the CDC putting out there about Lyme disease that you consider to be either inaccurate or at least incomplete? I think they have a very narrow definition of the disease. It's a disease that attack, that in its later stages can attack every organ and Patients end up going from specialist to specialist and being diagnosed and told eventually that they're just crazy because they sound like hypochondriacs because there's so many crazy, freaky symptoms. So um, they don't have an accurate symptom list. Uh, My colleagues and I have tried to get them to update it, but it's very, it's opaque and Byzantine. They they won't update it. And then also they say, um, just until recently, they said chronic Lyme doesn't exist. And then they say it can be cured with, with you know, two to four weeks of antibiotics. And that's not true either, because once someone has been undiagnosed for years and years, it, ju- it just takes a lot of time, a lot of antibiotics to get over it. Um, there are some herbal remedies, but in the beginning, I think a big dose of multiple antibiotics Helps, And then also there's a complicating factor that a tick bite can transmit multiple diseases. And sometimes you get what I call the tick fun pack and you have to use different drugs to target the different germs that it's that the ticks transmit. I don't want to get you involved in another controversy, but people would be irked at me if I didn't ask you about this. COVID is another disease that seemingly came out of nowhere that seemed to have kind of mysterious origins. A lot of people point to the proximity to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and some people said that COVID may be have been developed in a lab, possibly even as a biological weapon. I'm sure you've thought about this over the last four years, Chris, do you have any theory as to whether that's the case, whether COVID may have been, may have come as the result of experimentation on a biological weapon? I haven't done the deep dive on that, but the people that follow Lyme disease uh, on my social media feeds, they also have been presenting evidence that is very strong that it could have leaked out of the Wuhan lab. I mean, we did this bat, vi- sorry, <clears throat> bat virus uh, gain of function work in North Carolina, and then it appears that it was moved offshore to Wuhan. Uh, evidence is still emerging, but it doesn't look good. The, the thing that my research in the Cold War has reinforced is that after World War II, the CDC was created as a sentry against biological weapons attacks. And so they, their very DNA is um, 
their nature is keep things secret. And I, I think we saw that unroll with the, the COVID outbreak and Lyme. And I think the ways that our public health system broke with Lyme disease was the same way that it broke with, with COVID. It's, it's a large bureaucratic organization, uh, which tends to secrecy and the communications mm-hmm. were sort of botched in, in both diseases. Chris Newby, we're going to have to end it there. I appreciate the time this morning. I appreciate your great work on this. Hopefully we'll talk again. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, I just, I would say if you get bitten by a tick, put it in a baggie with a damp piece of paper towel and send it in to see what's in it. Cause uh, that's the fastest way to get, uh, to figure out if you were infected. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's very sound advice. If you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with uh, with Chris Newby, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. Uh, 800-848-9222. I've known a lot of people with Lyme disease over the years and each of them describes almost a nightmare scenario just to get diagnosed, let alone to find the proper course of treatment. We'll get into it in a moment with you. 800-848-9222 straight ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 